Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Scott Alexander. He's the president and CEO at iVelocity. Now, if the name sounds familiar, that's because I did an interview with Scott uh, two and a half years ago. So he is here for the second time in a different role, providing some very innovative uh, approaches to healthcare in the digital space, as well as thinking deeply and implementing strategies around healthcare consumerism. I know that that many of you are, are thinking about this today. We're going to be diving into some really interesting ideas and ways of executing in treating patients like consumers, because that's the way we should be doing it. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. So a little reminder, uh, Scott previously was the Vice President of Innovation and Product Development at Mercy in St. Louis where he was responsible for development, enrichment, and deployment of Mercy's non-provider businesses. Um, Prior to that, served as Vice President of Sourcing, Innovation, and Marketing at ROI. And before that, spent almost a decade within the medical devices space, again, focused on on commercial innovations as the director and uh, new growth platforms. So he's always been focused around what can we do differently to be better? And so today, I really want to welcome him once again. And Scott, uh, so thankful that uh, you're able to join us again today. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Saul. This is great. It's, uh, it's nice to be in the two-timer club. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Love it, brother. Love it. So we had an opportunity to connect on, on a lot of the things, uh, but I always go back to the what inspires us most. What, what inspires your work in healthcare? You know, it's a great question, Saul. I mean, so I, I come from a medical family. My dad is a doctor. My mom was a nurse. I grew up around healthcare, And I just love the fact that if we do our jobs well, we end up benefiting people and giving them back to health and, and giving them the kind of lives that, they, that they're looking to be able to live. So this is unlike any other industry that you can be a part of. And it just to me, it's inspiring every day to be a part of it. Love it. Yeah, you told the story on the first podcast. And by the way, folks, outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Scott Alexander. You'll be able to listen to the first one where he goes deeper into his uh, his story and how he started doing what he's doing. So make sure you listen to that first one if you haven't listened to it. How are you and your business now, Scott, uh, adding value to the healthcare ecosystem at iVelocity? I think it's a great question. And as I think about, and as we all kind of think about what healthcare looks like today, consumerism is by far one of the mega trends that's affecting healthcare providers, affecting manufacturers of the products that we utilize in the healthcare system. And just speaking frankly, I don't feel like we've kind of figured out what consumerism means and how we actually connect with the individual patient. And so what's the outcome of that? I mean, we talk about that in kind of you know, high-level terms, but when we think about it, what it means practically is people who are in an unhealthy state, aren't getting the kind of care and therapy that they deserve to get back to being healthy. You know, it's one of those things where there's all sorts of data out there about how long it takes for a a breakthrough therapy to become standard of care and to become the average therapy that, you know, Steve or Sally is going to receive when they come in for a given medical condition. It's 15 years is kind of the average, and it varies a little bit one way or the other, but that's just too long. I mean, if you think about it, that's almost a generation that it takes for things to to become standard of care. 
And in today's day, where the pace of innovation is going faster and faster and faster, we need to be, as healthcare providers, we need to be able to do a better job of getting the message out about these kinds of breakthrough therapies that can significantly benefit the patients who are in need. And so, you know, as I think about what, what iVelocity is about, so it's been around, the company has been around for about 10 years. I've been involved for uh, several months now, taking it over and, and helping to kind of put some, some new direction on it. At the end of the day, it's about direct patient outreach on behalf of healthcare providers and uh, manufacturers who are trying to drive some of these innovative therapies into the marketplace and most importantly, to the people who need them. And so, you know, again, I spent almost a decade at Medtronic. I spent over four years at Mercy. Both are wonderful organizations. But I just had this calling that I need, I need to be able to help crack this code for the industry about how do we take something that really comes out and is, is a breakthrough and speed up that pace of adoption so that, again, the people who need the therapy are able to get it shortly after it becomes available on the market, not 15 years down the road. I think it's a it's a really great call out, Scott. And as organizations think about their communication strategy, either to you know promote a new robot procedure or quicker recovery or or a population health initiative, we're not doing it as effectively as we could be. And so, I love that you decided to focus on this problem. What makes iVelocity? different than, than what's available today? Well, I think what's available today, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll describe a part of, of the healthcare industry that, that I feel like does it well. Okay. I feel like for years and years, pharma has kind of figured this out. So they figured out that, hey, if we go directly to Scott as a patient, I'm going to raise my hand and say, tell me about you know, drug X or drug Y, whatever the case might be. And we, we see those advertisements all the time. And yeah. you know, sometimes you don't know what they're actually for, but and all the side effects. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they're still going on the side effects. <laughs> exactly. exactly. They should just play that as like the music in the background, like sing a song around the side effects. Um, but, but I feel like that's one thing that pharma's done really well is they've figured out how yeah. do you educate and sort of raise awareness to it. And that's the thing that, that you know, medical device manufacturers, that particularly smaller company, you know, smaller startups, digital health, and providers just haven't really latched onto it's prohibitively expensive, at least historically, in terms of how direct, you know, direct patient outreach works when you're doing, you got to do you know, Super Bowl ads and that sort of thing. We spend a lot of time in the digital space, and we find that it can be incredibly cost-effective in terms of raising awareness of the kinds of therapies that are available to people today, and then ultimately getting them to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm interested in learning more about whatever, whatever sort of breakthrough orthopedic procedure you have, or whatever, uh, you know, how we treat sleep apnea, or how we address various esophagus those types of things that are, you know, things that we are doing. So that's, that's what I think is maybe different today than in the past is by using digital platforms, we're actually able to reach out to people on an individual basis and educate them on a one-on-one basis, as opposed to having to hit like a big Super Bowl commercial, which then makes it available for people, you know, for healthcare providers, whether it's a hospital or an individual provider or, you know, a manufacturer of some type to be able to put these kinds of campaigns on that, Pfizer and Merck and others have been able to do for decades. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting idea, Scott. And and how would you say what you do has improved outcomes or or made business better for the customers and clients that you serve? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I'll maybe dive into one of the areas that we're seeing a lot of focus today. So we do a lot of work around sleep apnea. It's a tremendous problem. You, know, you can pick your statistic. You know, I've seen numbers as high as 40% of Americans have sleep apnea. I mean, even if that number is twice as much as what reality is, that's still a tremendous number of people who have sleep apnea. And I think we all are either aware or becoming aware of the terrible downstream impacts of poor sleep, right? Everything from heart disease to uh, stroke and they think the dementia may be tied to this. There's all sorts of terrible things that come from not getting a good night's sleep. Unfortunately, most of us don't know that there are options out there outside of this, you know, the CPAP where you, you know, put this big hose, you look like an elephant, you slap this thing on your face, you sound like Darth Vader, it sort of pushes air into your lungs to keep you breathing. There's actually been a lot of a, a significant explosion around what dentists are doing in this space. And so we work with a number of dentists, and in fact, we have a strategic partnership with a manufacturer of oral appliances to raise awareness for these other less invasive, easier-to-use therapies so that people can get the care that they need. And so we work with the manufacturer in terms of helping raise awareness around their products in the marketplace, but we also work with the individual practices, these are primarily dental practices, who are trying to treat patients in their respective geographies. And so on behalf of that, we're running, again, we're, we're getting online or running advertising campaigns for Dr. Smith's practice and just educating the population around the dangers of sleep apnea, the opportunities for treating it, right? It doesn't have to be this big elephant face thing that you've got to do. And just sort of easing people in the fact that, hey, here's a new therapy that really has only been out for a couple of years, but people are seeing the benefit of it. And as a result, we're seeing these dental practices see substantial growth. We're seeing this, you know, our strategic partner seeing substantial growth. And most importantly, we're seeing patients getting care that's giving them a good night's sleep and reducing the risk of some of those uh, downstream effects that sleep apnea can cause. Yeah, it's really interesting, Scott. So it's basically a, a market development play that's targeted at mm-hmm. the provider, in this case, in this example, the dentist, and, and then also yep. the actual market that's going to be using it. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is exactly, think sort of one-on-one digital marketing that we're doing on behalf of the providers and then the manufacturers as well. Fascinating. It's an interesting play. And what would you say has been some of the results that people are, are raving about? Yeah, we've been incredibly excited about the results. So what, we're, what we've been doing, again, we'll just kind of focus in on sleep apnea. Yeah. Uh, but what we've been doing recently is just, again, partnering up and we're, we're bringing dozens of new patients into these folks' practices that would have never come in through the marketing efforts that we're doing, right? So to, to dive a little bit deeper in it, we're not the tools that we're using are tools that are available to really anybody listening to the podcast. We're leveraging platforms like Google. We're leveraging pl- platforms like you know, social media marketing on Instagram and Facebook and others, uh, LinkedIn, that sort of thing. We're doing email campaigns. We're building websites. So what I would say is I don't know that there's necessarily some rocket science in terms of the platforms that we're using, but the way that we're putting them together and the kinds of results that we're getting for our partners is pretty exceptional. Because once you start to talk to people and you understand how you begin a dialogue with somebody, mm-hmm. an individual, like I'm going to talk to you, Saul, about you know the fact that you're snoring at night. And I'm able to do that, not just in a one-time conversation that we're going to have in passing, but I'm able to do that over days, weeks, months, and even potentially years through these platforms what you end up doing is you build a really educated audience that 
understands the therapies that are available to them and they can make informed decisions about, you know, how, when, how do I come in to get the care that I need? You know, I, I feel like if we're to look at like your typical primary care visit, so we both have, you know, family docs or primary care docs that we go in and we see maybe once a year, right? Yep. And you've got seven minutes to have that conversation, right? I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. And so Dr. Smith, you know, my primary care physician doesn't have time to run through everything that's going on with me as a you know, 40-year-old guy who's relatively healthy. We're probably not talking about sleep apnea. We're probably not talking about things outside of, you know, what's my blood pressure look like and how are my lipids? And, and that's not to bash primary care physicians, just that that's the reality of what we live in is that we're so busy in the healthcare system that we don't have the time to educate. And these platforms that we're using, the programs that we've built around uh, the therapies that we're helping to drive in the marketplace, give us the time and the ability to educate Saul Marquez on the dangers of snoring and the fact that, hey, this is, this is not a good thing and you need to do something about it and here's how you do it. And it just gives us the time to be able to educate people in a way that uh, we've never been able to in the past. Sure. Yeah, Scott. And, and, you know, that's a really great point, right? I mean, you go see your primary care doctor once a year. If you're a woman, maybe a couple, you know, you see your primary and then your, your gynae. But, yep. but beyond that, like there's, there's really no opportunity for further engagement. And where does that engagement happen? And if you have a, a device or a technology that you could be educating people on or a procedure, you know, where are you doing that? And how are you taking advantage of the potential scenarios? And Scott and his team are actually helping us understand those areas that we're missing out on. And if you don't think you're missing out, you're missing out. And so the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to engage is pretty high. I remember back when I was at Medtronic running commercial innovation, you know, we, we would come up with these these new kinds of technologies. And we were thinking, man, this is going to be incredible. And all we need is for primary care docs to refer the patients who are indicated to, for this into a bariatric surgeon, for example. Yep. And you know, then we'd go out and we talked to primary care docs and we realized, Scott, you're out of your mind. Like these guys, my dad was a primary, was in primary care for a number of years and he was run ragged, you know, with these seven minute visits, you know, he gets mm-hmm. in, has, has these quick conversations. And so if I'm putting myself back in the shoes of you know, Scott Alexander back at Medtronic or, you know, someone else who may be listening that is on the marketing side of a medical device or a, a medical service, you can't rely on the primary care physicians to be your referral source because they just don't have time for it. And again, it's not, I'm not bashing on primary care docs. I think they do an amazing job, but they just don't have time to think about every possible thing that can be beneficial to, you know, Saul Marquez, the patient or Scott Alexander, the patient. And so as a manufacturer, you need to think about how do you how do you do market development in a way that doesn't make you, doesn't tie you to a conversation that a primary care doc or even a specialist is got, has to have with a patient? How do you get directly to the patient to be able to have that conversation about Barrett's esophagus or the creaky knees that you get in your 40s or you know, sleep apnea or any of these sorts of particularly chronic conditions that worsen over time and people just kind of live with? And unless it's sort of brought up and put in their face, they're not going to do something about it until, you know, until it's really sort of significant. And yeah, I'm just kind of on a roll about when we were at Medtronic. One of the things that always amazed me, because we were, you know, back in that role, just for, for folks who uh, didn't hear the first podcast, again, Pure Gold, Saul Marquez, best podcast host out there. Thank you. <laughs> I was always amazed at you all. Yeah. 
I was always amazed at how high the prevalence were for a lot of these diseases. And again, whether it's high blood pressure, it's you name it, I could never figure out why that was. And the reality is it's just, it's the new normal for people. This is what they live with. And so they don't think, hey, I need to go solve this. If you're a manufacturer of, a, of an innovative medical technology, part of what you've got to do is you've got to figure out how do you sort of jolt people in awareness that, hey, I don't have to live with you know, high blood pressure. I don't have to live with you know, being exhausted from, I keep using sleep apnea just because we were talking about that earlier, but I don't have to live with these kinds of things so I can do something about it. As a manufacturer, you will see dramatic growth if you're able to engage the population and coming forward asking for your therapy rather than waiting for the healthcare system broadly to be reactive and then only bring these things up once somebody has a really you know, significant issue. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really great call out and, and a great opportunity for folks to explore whether a drug, a medical device, a medical service, something to think about that market development engagement. So, so you've done a lot in your career, Scott. You've worked yeah. with, with industry, you've worked with providers, <laughs> and now you're running your own shop. What would you yeah. say is one of the most proud aspects of your career thus far? You know, I would say taking over iVelocity is probably it. I've been a part of some great teams. And, you know, when I was back at Medtronic, when I was at Mercy, and we've done some cool things. But I'd always wanted, you know, run my own company and basically do something that's going to benefit society and you know, build a, a healthy business that's going to basically employ people and yeah, just run my own shop. And taking that leap was difficult. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just turned 40. I have four Happy small birthday. kids. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a difficult decision to be able to go from, yeah. you know, from Mercy, which, again, I, I love, the, love the culture and love with what Mercy is about. But to jump out and kind of do my own thing, it was difficult. And I think you know, a lot of people you know, want to do it, but then, then don't. I feel like making that decision and, and actually following through is probably the thing that I'm most proud of. You know, I'm sure it's very fulfilling, Scott, and, and I'm sure you also have your days when you're like, <laughs> why did I do this? <laughs> but yeah. you, you know, took the leap. And, and sometimes at the same day. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes maybe in the same <laughs> hour, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is great. Oh, what the heck? Oh, no. I, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I admire you for following your dreams and and doing what you what you believe is is what you were brought on this earth to do. Uh, what would you say is your most proud business accomplishment? Yeah, if if we're just going to kind of focus in the past year or so, again, I've been really fortunate, really blessed to be a part of some great teams, and so doing work at Mercy in the telemedicine space was fantastic. Right, being a part of Medtronic and helping to develop and deploy medical devices that are used in surgery today, those are pretty great. If I think about kind of the past year, we do so just going to kind of focus on sleep apnea just because we've been sure. talking about that and that's front and center. So one of the things that we do is we put together seminars on behalf of you know, practices that are trying to educate people on you know, the dangers of sleep apnea and the kinds of op- you know, options that are out there. And we did one here in Denver and I went to it and this was early, early on in terms of us kind of figuring out how we're going to how we're going to do this, how we're going to educate people on sleep apnea. And I sat in the back of the room and about 20 minutes into this conversation, you know, presentation from a, from a doctor to, uh, to these patients, they started, the patients themselves, prospective patients themselves, started telling stories to each other about their experiences and how 
this could be really life-changing for them and and educating each other on why this is a good thing for you know, each of them to pursue and you know how this may really positively impact their life and yeah it was just a great moment for me because at the end of the day I'm all about helping people and see that sort of organic collaboration among among people who are literally strangers 20 minutes prior but helping each other through you know, learning about the dangers of sleep apnea and the options that are out there and having discussions about, you know, whether or not they should move forward with getting the CT scans and the other kinds of things that you need to do to get treated for uh, sleep apnea. It just made me proud because I had a team that worked hard in putting this together. And it was, you know, we were first doing this. We were, we didn't have a whole lot of data about what we, about knowing exactly that this was going to be successful. So to be able to sit in the back of that room and see it, just see the engagement from the people who are going to get benefit from the therapy was just, it just warmed my heart. Yeah, I think that's really great, Scott. And going from not knowing each other, 20 minutes in, sharing, and I mean, having a common ailment is definitely a, a rapport builder. And uh, yep. you know, if there's a way for, for them to help each other, I think uh, you guys created a great environment for that. So kudos to you and your team for being able to build that environment. I guess being able to scale it is the question, right? I mean, do you guys go yep. live with webinars with it or, or what, what, is, what do next steps look like for that? Yeah, so I'll maybe kind of describe what we can do. So we basically live online and then sort of in a seminar format. So when we're working with a manufacturer, a provider, that sort of thing, what we're doing is we're building campaigns to find people. There's kind of three types of patients that either a manufacturer or particularly a provider has that they can engage in some of these innovative therapies. So number one is your current or you know, previous patients. These are people that you know. And there are certain platforms like email campaigns work really well to get people educated about, hey, you should learn more about you know, the, the dangers of ignoring gout and that sort of thing. Right? So that's one. Number two is you have people who are active seekers. So active seekers are people that know that they have a problem and they're looking for a solution. And so a lot of times, again, these are going to be people who may already have a a treatment that is working, but they don't really like it, or they have recently been diagnosed and they want to figure out what their options are. And we all know there are people go to Google to, to find the answers to that. And so whether yep. that's like high blood pressure, you name it, right? These are, that's where people are going to figure out what are my options. And then you have kind of the engageable afflicted, the people that have a given condition. This is that prevalence population that's not seeking care that used to frustrate me as a medical device marketer back a number of years ago is how do I get to them and how do I spread mm. that conversation? And again, things like social media, the great platform to start those kinds of conversations. But what you do from that really depends on the type of condition that you're treating and the therapy that you have. So something like oral appliances for sleep apnea, people generally like to see it, touch it, feel it, right? We find that you know, they need to come into an office or they need to come into some of these seminars that we can do. We can do them online as well, but there's kind of magic about being in the same being room with alive. other people. And, yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's that, but there's really no end to how you scale these things so that, you know, once you get it up and you prove that, hey, this works for in a test market, then, you know, these platforms work across the world, at least at the very least work across the U.S. and North America, but, you know, they work across the world. And so once you kind of have, have figured out what it takes to get these people engaged, these people who need your help, it really just becomes a matter of, you know, scaling it. And that there's really not a, a top end to that. Love it. No, it's a very interesting uh method and you know something for everybody to be thinking about. Well, what's one of the biggest setbacks you've had, Scott? And what was the key learning? 
Yeah, good good question. It's been going from a big company, 40,000 plus employees, coworkers to 20 is a major shift. And also coming into a business that's been around for a number of years, that's been doing good stuff, but you knew that you wanted to kind of change the culture. It's, it takes time and it takes longer mm-hmm. than you think it would. And so there's been you know, sleepless nights and frustrations about how do I help people see the vision of what we're doing and why we're doing it, both internally with employees and then you know, externally with you know, some of the, the partners that we have. You know, but every, I mean, the reality is every setback, what's the quote, experiences get, uh, wisdom's what you get when you don't get what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, lot of, got a lot of wisdom. So uh, <laughs> you just have to work hard. And I would say that the biggest setback has been just the time that it takes to help to be able to sort of share your vision and get people, get everybody nodding up and down that, yes, we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and how it's going to help ultimately help the patients. No, I love it. It's a great share. The internal sort of culture setting and then the, the external getting people to buy into to what you guys are doing. That's right. Because what we're doing is different than you know, what traditional market development has been. And right, it takes, it takes some innovators to partner up with us to say, yeah, you know, we've, we haven't done this before, but we're willing to, to give it a try. We're willing to pilot it and, uh, and kind of you know, see if the results are going to be as successful as we think that they're going to be. And that's, that's a challenge. But you know what, frankly, it's, it's part of being on the innovative side of healthcare is you, you've got to go in places that people haven't been before. And you know, luckily, we've got some good case studies that, that make us feel confident about the fact that we're going down the right path. And so, yeah, so it's a matter of sharing that. And over time, you know, the right people are going to reach out and we're going to have conversations and work and work together. And then it becomes, over time, it becomes that standard of care. It take, hopefully it doesn't take 15 years like it did for beta blockers or that sort of thing. But you know, it's going to take some time, but we're in it for the long haul. No, I think it's a great attitude, Scott. And for the listeners thinking, hmm, what is this? And this is different. Yeah, it is. And three years ago, I'll share, when I started the podcast, it was different, right? There was probably like four healthcare podcasts. I was the fourth one. And yeah. now I can't even count them on my hands and feet because yeah. people realize the benefit of marketing through podcasts and the power of the network effect. And yeah. what Scott and his team are doing today is outside of the box. Guess what? It's not outside of the box for retailers. They're already doing it, but it's outside of the mm-hmm. box for healthcare. So if you're going to poo poo the idea, then, you know, it's up to you. But when your competitor does it and you get left behind, then you're going to think, wow, I should have done something about it. So a call to action for the listeners, think outside the box today, not when it's too late. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point too, that, you know, you were podcast number four. I remember when you were literally just starting it. And if you look at where you are today, you have a huge number of listeners. You've got tremendous influence in the industry. And a lot of that just comes from the fact that, well, one, you do a great job. And two, you were one of the first people in. And so you get this great snowballing effect. And, and I think that's the thing that we're seeing is, yeah, what we're doing is different. And it's not that different if you're in retail or you're in other industries that have always had to go to the consumer. But I think that the healthcare providers and the manufacturers that understand the real impact of consumerism and can get on the front end of the, of the wave are going to find themselves two, three, five years down the road being the Saul Marquez of their industry, right? Super handsome, very effective, very, very... <laughs> You're too funny, man. 
You give me too All much right. credit. But, I'll take it though. I, yeah. I, I'll, rec- I'll receive it. <laughs> but all kidding aside, I do think that consumerism is one of those things that this is stuff that I was kind of working through when I was at Mercy is, you know, as VP of innovation and product development, I was thinking about, okay, well, how do you get to all these folks? And I'd like to think, and maybe this is a little, maybe too egotistical, and I apologize for that in advance, but I kind of feel like what we did was we were able to sort of crack the code and figure out how do you make commercialism accessible to the average provider through mm-hmm. the platforms that we're using. And the people who are going to take advantage of that in the near term are the ones who are going to really see their their practices grow substantially. And the people that are going to be on the tail end are the folks that are going to be scratching their head and saying, hey, well, how did I not see this coming? That sort of thing. So, And that's what's fun. That's what's fun to be on that, that front end of, uh, of innovation for healthcare. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would say to the people listening, check out Scott's website, research the topic further. We'll leave links to his website and and the work that he does in the show notes. But you don't have to go all in right away. If you tip your toe in the water, that's okay too. The consistency is what matters. But the important thing, just like investing, you got to start now because it also does have a compound effect. It does, yeah. Yeah, and people can go to the website, ivelocitymarketing.com and see a little about what we do. Um, And it's the letter I, velocity. Yeah, that's right. Ivelocity.com. Ivelocitymarketing.com. Yep. Ivelocitymarketing.com. That's right. The other thing that they can do is just reach out directly to me. So my email is pretty easy. It's scott at ivelocitymarketing.com. And just shoot me an email. I'm happy to, to find some time to connect or give me a call, right? So you know, myself, is, it, is it okay if I give my cell phone yeah, number? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, text yeah. Scott or you could text them or call them if you yeah. have a question. Not while you're driving yeah, so though. My number, we don't want to get yeah, blamed exactly, for you right? crashing. <laughs> safety has no help, right? <laughs> But yeah, so my, my number is 707-481-8072, 707-481-8072. Shoot me a text, give me a call. What, what we find is that a lot of times when we're talking to providers or we're talking to, to manufacturers and strategic partners, a lot of times they just have questions like, how have you, like, what are you doing for other people and how does consumerism work? And like, what are the three simple things you could do to test out whether or not this would work for our product or the services that we're trying to provide? And I think we've talked about the, the fact before that, you know, I miss my calling as a high school science teacher. I, I, I just love teaching and sort of sharing what, what I know. So if anybody out there listening is interested to, to learn more about how we're doing consumerism and how we feel like we've been able to, to crack the code, I'm just happy to share that knowledge freely. Love it, Scott. A couple more questions and we'll wrap up. I do want to know if you could have lunch with anybody, who would it be? I had, I had two answers for you. So, okay. um, one would be, would be my parents. You know, I live in Denver. And my parents are back in South Carolina, and they were just out visiting recently. And we're going to get head back. You know, we get back pretty regularly, but I just like spending time with them and, and my my family. You know, everybody else is That's back cool. in Hartsville, South Carolina. So I'd say that. But if I had to pick somebody professionally, I would pick a Tol Gawande, hmm. and I write Checklist Manifesto, and yeah. uh, you know, great author, great uh, physician. Obviously, has a very important role in the American healthcare system with his his new role. I just like the way that he thinks, at least I think the way that he, I like the way that he thinks based on how he's written. And so I just love to get to know him. I mean, I just think that he seems like a really fascinating guy. So what's your number one health habit? Yeah, great questions. I feel like you have to dial the, the three things that you need to have good health is you got to eat well, you have to move, and then you have to sleep. And on the, the exercise thing, I, mean, I have four small kids, so I'm chasing them around. That's a lot, but I also try to do some more structured 
structured exercise. But the biggest thing is my wife and I a long time ago decided that we're going to go, we live in Colorado, so it's okay to be like very hippie. And yeah. uh, so we went like really super organic, right? Grass-fed beef and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, nice. good enough. I mean, she's got a great point and she says basically, and I agree with her, you're going to pay for your health, you know, one way or the other. You're either going to pay for the expensive food on the upfront totally. or you're going to pay for it in cost in the back end. And a whole lot more fun to eat grass-fed cheeseburgers than uh, to have to go to the doctor. So, <laughs> um, so we eat really, really clean. <laughs> I love it, brother. It's a great habit. And what would you say is the best advice you ever received? I'm going to butcher the quote, but, but basically you're going to regret more the things that you don't do in life than the things that you do wrong. And so don't let fear, don't let you know, anxiety keep you from doing the things that you know, really you're called to in your heart. At the end of the day, we only get so many turns around the sun and you need to make them count. And so don't live somebody else's life. Live, live the, you know, the life that you feel like you're being called to, to live and right, it'll, it'll work out in the end. And I do my best to do that. I mean, I've always kind of been on the, the cutting edge of stuff and done some, some really interesting, been able to be a part of some great teams by not trying to live somebody else's life. And sort of this latest chapter is an example of that, leaving you know, wonderful organization and mercy to go and move my, so I don't know if we talked about this, but in the course of a year, we moved my family, you know, from St. Louis to Denver. We had a fourth child. I bought a business. I mean, I, I don't know what else we could have done to kind of <laughs> to change things. things up more, but, yeah. But that's just kind Been of busy. what we're being called to do. It's busy, it's busy, but you know, busy is better than bored. But, but I feel like that, I would share that advice with other people is, you know, don't let time pass you by and, and not take the shot on goal because you're afraid because, you know, once you take that shot on goal, even if you miss, you're going to realize that, Hey, I can get the ball again. I can take another shot. So I think that's the best advice I've ever gotten. Love it, brother. Great advice, yeah. man. This has been, it's been great reconnecting with you here and in, in your new venture. Again, folks go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Scott Alexander in the search bar. You'll find links to his website, his phone number if you want to text him. But just to recap there, Scott, you want to just give us a closing thought and the best place where the listeners can uh, reach out? Sure. Yeah. I guess kind of closing thought, I think this is, we're in a really exciting place in healthcare right now. We're seeing a bunch of megatrends that are fundamentally changing the way that healthcare is delivered. And I would just invite everybody listening to try and be be on the front end of that so that we can make this healthcare system into what we want it to be, right? Each of us has a, has a role in that. And so, you know, lean in and, and kind of make it, make it yours. And then, yeah, people can get, can reach out to me. So I velocity marketing.com, the letter I, the word velocity marketing.com, or shoot me an email at Scott at I velocity marketing.com, or give me a call at area code 707-481-8072 or shoot me a text. And yeah, we can connect. I'd love to, I'd love to hear about what other people are doing and and just you know, get connected with other Outcomes Rocket listeners and yeah, see if we can do some great things for the healthcare system. Love it, Scott. Hey, thanks for visiting with us again and uh, wishing you the best here uh, in the upcoming days. Awesome. Thanks, all. I really appreciate it. Great talking to you again. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.